This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. We began our series in the book of Proverbs last week, highlighting the importance of wisdom, of taking in God's Word, not just as a mental exercise, but allowing it to affect our decisions and our actions, allowing it to infiltrate our hearts and define who we are. We're going to continue talking about wisdom today, uh, but very specifically wisdom for relationships, a wisdom that if we could sum it up into one word, would point us to faithfulness, a reflection of how faithful God is to us, expressed in our commitment to one another. It's, it's a bit of a, a weighty subject. It can be a little heavy. I just want to prepare you as we dive in. We're going straight to Proverbs chapter 7. We begin this, this story, Proverb, that, that teaches us from an experience. Begin verse 1. Solomon uh, writes these words. My son, keep, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. To insight, you're my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. We're introduced immediately to wisdom and insight as personified relatives, sisters, that we hold close, that we allow to guide our lives, that want the best for us, and aren't afraid to tell us when we step out of line. I have two sisters, and uh, very well aware of that relationship of having people in my life that care enough to speak truthfully and honestly and unafraid to say the things that need to be said. There's a fly around me. I'm not waving at myself. It was just, uh, if you see me just making casual hand movements... I got a little distracted, so I just invited you to come with me. It's important for us to allow wisdom and insight to be with us, to, to guide us, to teach us as we live our lives. And there's a very specific purpose to this proverb, as we find in verse 5, wisdom that keeps us from the adulterous woman, the wayward woman with her seductive words. Verse 6 continues the story. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice, and I saw among the simple, I noticed... Among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the darkness of night set in. Here's a simple young man. I don't know if if we just need to acknowledge the fact that looking among the simple, it's a group of young men standing around, (laughs) one of them with no sense. I hate to typecast, but I, I was driving my son to school, last year. It was a, a delay day of fog, I think. It was two hours. And we pulled up at the stoplight as we're approaching the school. And there had been kids dropped off. I don't know if it was the bus or parents who had to go to work. They were there on the school property waiting for school to start. And I saw a group of them standing together. And I looked over and said to my son, watch this group of guys. They're going to they're, they're gonna do something. I, I spent years in youth ministry and developed just this uh, ability to see on the faces of teenagers the moment when something's about to happen. Can't always tell what it's going to be, but you can tell when they're up to something. And sure enough, they're standing there laughing, kind of jostling each other. One of them disappears. 
They're standing by a drainage trench. There's a culvert that goes under the road. And one by one, they're just disappearing into this wet, gross tunnel. And I say to my son, look, look, the school is about to start, and they're all going to get wet and muddy. There's snakes. Who knows what they're going to find in there? And yet, that's the nature of being a young man, just being impulsive and making decisions without necessarily thinking through. Here we're introduced to a young man in Proverbs 7 who's among a, a group of other young men, and he sets his feet on a path, a path that will lead him to a place of temptation. We don't know what his intentions are. We don't know if he's aware of the path or unaware. But the watcher from the window, the teacher, is. He says he's walking along in the direction of her house. Now, we haven't been introduced to who this is other than the warning we have in verse 5. We continue reading in verse 10. Now came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, Today I fulfilled my vows, and I have, I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And now we're introduced to this adulterous woman. She came out to meet this young man. She's married, dressed to entice a man who is not her husband because he's gone on a trip. She's bold. She's defiant, going where she shouldn't go, doing what she should not do. And she took hold of this young man, kissed him, and invited him in to have a night of pleasure while her husband is away. Verse 22, all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Don't let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Wisdom teaches us about faithfulness. This proverb of wisdom, spends more time talking about the warning of unfaithfulness. And we talked last week about how Proverbs does both of those things. It, it highlights the, the, the standard that we aspire to, the, the positive side, but it also highlights the negative side and warns us the consequences of sinfulness. Here, this proverb does just that, spending particular t- a particular amount of time warning us against unfaithfulness. So let's talk about the value of faithfulness, the wisdom that that is present in this idea of of living our lives as a reflection of the faithfulness of God, the commitment that God has to us, the love that he has for us, and the way that he consistently, continually demonstrates his love through forgiveness and grace by means of the sacrifice of his son. Incredible demonstration, embodiment of faithfulness to us in that relationship. It's a faithfulness that God desires for our relationships, not only to be an image of of him in the world, but so that we can experience the blessing of the boundaries of his will, of the intention that he has 
for us to enjoy the fullness of life that he has presented. And we're talking about boundaries in relationships of what faithfulness means. And just to be clear, we're talking about sexual boundaries. Sex is intended to be shared between a husband and wife within the context of marriage. Period. God made sex to be enjoyable and productive, not just a physical act. It's emotional, it's spiritual. It is uniting. When a husband and wife share this experience, they're bonded together as they enjoy layers of intimacy. When we deviate from God's intention, either by engaging in sexual activity outside of the context of marriage or by engaging in sexual activity before the commitment of marriage. We diminish the blessing of what God intends for us. And those decisions bring about consequences in our lives. The wisdom of faithfulness in our relationships helps us to live according to God's will, regardless of the situation we find ourselves in. And this truth applies to all situations, all circumstances. For those who are single, we see how important it is to honor faithfulness, the commitment that comes with marriage. It's God's intention for us to reserve sex for marriage, for that relationship between husband and wife. As difficult as it is to wait for that blessing. For those who are dating, seeking a relationship, we see how important it is to honor faithfulness. For those who are looking for someone to date, to respect the boundaries of faithfulness and consider those who are married off limits, those who are already in a committed relationship off limits and not become an enticement to their unfaithfulness, but to respect and honor God's intention for people who are already in a relationship. And God's desire is for you to honor your own marriage in the future through faithful living. For those who are in a dating relationship, it's important for us to see our interactions with the person we're dating as preparation for marriage, not practice of marriage. That the time we spend together is meant to build us up into the person that we need to be to be a faithful and loving spouse. You know, most of us don't understand who we truly are, the kinds of habits and behaviors that we need to grow out of until we spend significant time with another person. And dating relationships, spending time with a person of the opposite gender is considerable time that helps us to grow and mature and leave behind those negative patterns in our lives. It's so beneficial to us to have someone standing next to us going, why are you doing that? Stop it. No, don't say that. What? I can't believe it. What? Just be quiet for a minute. We all need that guidance, right? We all need to hear that voice helping us recognize our immaturity, recognize our impulsiveness, and grow out of it and mature to become the kind of person that can be faithfully committed to a spouse. Now it's become an acceptable practice for couples who intend to get married to move in together to discover whether or not they will be compatible for marriage. This kind of intimacy before the commitment of marriage is not what God intends for us to engage in. For those who are married, these words remind us of the need that we have to be committed to faithfulness continually, always diligently committed to faithfulness. The marriage relationship between a husband and wife is an intimate and enriching experience that develops individuals, 
as we grow closer together with a spouse. And when we remain committed to that, we experience a deep fulfillment that cannot be found anywhere else. That's what God intended for us. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be difficulties between a husband and wife. There will. There's one, one reality of being close to other people. There will be conflict. There will be discussions. There will be arguments. There will be difficulties. And when there's physical or emotional distance between husband and wife, that circumstances doesn't negate the value of faithfulness. When you find yourself hurt, betrayed, experiencing conflict, it's important for spouses to turn their hearts inward to each other, to have a real, honest conversation about what the difficulty is and how to overcome it. It's our natural reaction when we're hurt to turn our hearts away from the pain. And even for spouses, there are times when conflict presents itself in a marriage, and instead of turning towards a spouse and dealing with that conflict, each of them turns their hearts away from that relationship towards someone else. Maybe that's a, a parent that they call on the phone. You won't believe what happened. What should I do? Maybe it's a, a trusted friend that you share all the details of life with. Maybe it's a coworker that you find yourself wanting to share those details with. Every time that you turn your heart away from your spouse, you weaken your marriage and strengthen a relationship with someone else. And it does nothing to rebuild the bond between you. It actually is destructive. What we need to do in the moments of conflict that, that we experience in marriage is to turn our hearts inward, to address the issues, and to grow together through the difficulty that we're facing. It's not an easy thing to do. But you'll discover that your marriage is developing as you commit your time, energy, and emotion toward its growth. It, it, you will be amazed at how your relationship grows with your spouse as you invest in their lives, as you invest in their heart and their feelings. A married couple must be committed to each other by protecting marriage. And just as they turn their hearts inward toward each other, they turn their eyes inward toward each other. Everyone else is off limits. A husband and wife must have eyes for each other only. And not only looking at each other, but looking at the good in each other. Of seeing the, the little things, the, the things of value, the things that are attractive. It's, it's easy to look at your spouse and see the things that frustrate you. And many marriages develop a sense of resentment when spouses look at each other and are reminded of their frustrations. And they, let's be honest, it's so easy to describe about the things we don't like, isn't it? The person who's with you 24 hours a day to point out over and over and over again all of the little things that bug you. You didn't, wash, you didn't load the dishwasher right again. I've got to unload it and reload it because the plates are facing the wrong way. The toothpaste is wrong. Oh, it's wrong? Well, what's wrong about it? Well, you didn't do it the way I do it. Oh, okay. They're not significant things, but they're significant enough to destroy a marriage if resentment defines your relationship. Instead of vocalizing those things. Why don't we say things that really matter? Why don't we say the things that we think but keep to ourselves? Why don't we look at our spouse and say, just thought I'd tell you how attracted I am to you today. 
Is that off limits for a husband and wife to say to each other? No, but we don't say it. Why? It's meaningful. It's, it's important. Why don't we look at a spouse and say, you know, this little thing that you did for me means so much. I know, it's, I know you probably just, just did it. Maybe you didn't even intend to do it. But I felt like you really cared about me when I found this thing that you did for me. Thank you. That kind of encouragement helps us grow. It helps us grow as people. It helps our marriages grow. And it draws us together. Proverbs 5 talks about the value of, of growing together with a spouse using figurative language. Let's, let's start in verse 15. I'm not going to read all of it. It gets a little intense, but we'll just stick with 15. Drink water from your, your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should, should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. That's the wisdom of Proverbs. Rejoice in your relationship with your spouse. Think about the good things. Celebrate those together. Enjoy life together. Stop fussing about the frustrations that don't even matter. Proverbs 6, beginning verse 20, says this, my, my son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you wake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light, and, and correction and instruction are the way to life, keeping you from your neighbor's wife and from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. Don't lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. Now, these Proverbs are all pointing out the, the adulterous woman, the, the lust of a, a young man toward a woman that might draw him in, but Let's be honest, this kind of thing happens in a variety of situations. No one is exempt. Every person can be driven by desire. Male, female, old, young. We all need to be guarded against this kind of desire. Because desire that threatens faithfulness. Now the Proverbs point to physical desire, lust of beauty. But there are other desires that drive us that, that would threaten faithfulness. Desires that are motivated by different things. Loneliness is a strong motivator. When you feel alone, it motivates this desire for companionship. That's a dangerous. Ego is a motivator. Pride is, an, is a motivator. It produces in you this, this want to be wanted. This desire for people to find you attractive, to pursue you. That's a desire. Inadequacy is a motivator. Feeling worthless, feeling, feeling less than. And, and it produces in you a desire for affirmation. To have someone tell you they appreciate you. To have someone value what, what things that you do. It's, it's, it's a desire that threatens faithfulness. Why? Because when we turn away from our spouse to find the answer to these desires, we end up chasing lies. Notice this, this woman from Proverbs 7. This adulterous woman who preyed on the young man's desire, the man who was walking down the street past her house. She came out and grabbed him and kissed him and said, I've been waiting for you, and I came out to find you. What a lie. 
It's the same kind of lie that we pursue when we, when we chase the desire, our desires through pornography, as if that would bring some kind of validation. It's the same kind of lie that's present when we pursue our desires through meaningless sexual encounter or a string of sexual encounters. There's no intimacy there. There's no real companionship there. There's no affirmation in those experiences. What we're left with is a truckload of guilt, shame, regret, remorse, brokenness. And not only in our hearts, but in the relationships that we have with people. And we see the pain that we cause them. When we are unfaithful, we have to recognize the consequences of those decisions. We can't be driven by circumstance like this, this foolish young man. Our decisions have a greater impact than just on us. They, they impact the people who care the most about us. And we have to understand this isn't, this isn't the same as our, our personal sin against God, where we, we find ourselves guilty of sin and then forgiven. This, this idea of faithfulness in relationships, when broken, it, it doesn't just move us in and out of faithfulness. It's not like when, when this sin takes place, we're unfaithful, and then we find forgiveness and we become faithful again. There's more at, at play here. Faithfulness is a matter of trust. And when unfaithfulness is present, trust is broken. And relationships are broken. Now, those relationships can be reconciled. Forgiveness can take place. But does restoration take place? When trust is truly broken, how, how, how does trust become restored? It can be rebuilt. But it's a, a much longer and more invested effort than simply moving from unfaithfulness to faithfulness. It requires time and commitment and faithfulness over an extended period of, of time of demonstrating faithfulness while we rebuild that trust. It's important for us to recognize the, the full measure of those consequences. That we would be faithful in any and every circumstance. Faithfulness is threatened by desire. Faithfulness requires us to overcome temptation. We learn about the danger of temptation through Scripture. We're hearing about it in Proverbs. I want to turn to the New Testament to talk about temptation. There's three passages in particular that I want to, to walk through with you as we talk about overcoming temptation. The first is found in 1 Peter, and it, it presents to us this imagery of, of temptation. Chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You ever had a kitten in your house? Played with that kitten, put a toy in front of it, and watched that cat decide that this toy is now its prey, and it will stalk through the house, sneaking up on an inanimate object, and then suddenly pounce. Think about the temptation the devil brings into your life and the way that he is stalking you ready to tear you to shreds. Now, he's a roaring lion. 
That roar lets us know that temptation is present. But the moment of attack catches us completely unaware. These, these predatory cats. I, I've studied, I've spent significant time studying the way tigers attack. There's hours of reading Calvin and Hobbes comics. But the, the truth is still there. The tigers will wait until you turn your back for that moment when they will attack. A moment when you are completely unaware. When your guard is down. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Waiting for that moment when your guard is down. Waiting for that moment when you aren't aware that he's even behind you. Sneaking. Stalking. We have to be prepared and we have to be ready. Keep our guard up. Aware that the attacks will come. The book of James tells us more about temptation. Chapter 1, beginning verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he has created. And when we allow desire to remain in our lives, it creates this overwhelming temptation that we slowly become unaware of. When we allow desire to remain present in our lives, we get acclimated to the fact that it's there. We, we get accustomed to the idea that it's present. And what, what we might once have said, oh, wow, I, I can't be around this, over time blends in with the background. It becomes a part of our lives, becomes a part of what we find to be normal and acceptable until we let our guard down, until we begin to believe that it no longer is a danger or temptation to us. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion. And that moment when we let our guard down is the moment when he strikes. Desire. pulls us away from what God is calling us to. Notice how James reminds us of the good and perfect gifts that come from God. Immediately after talking about temptation, don't forget about these good and perfect gifts, like the, 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 the covenant of marriage, the intimacy that comes between husband and wife. Don't allow Satan to twist that image in your mind. Don't allow him to, to let you think that something else is acceptable. Don't let him draw you away through desire that will give birth to sin and that will grow fully into death, but stand against that. Trust God's intention and God's plan. These desires that bring us into sin can never, will never be able to match the fullness and satisfaction of what God intends, the unity that you would have with a spouse. So how do we stand against that kind of temptation? How, how do we keep our guard up? How do we overcome this temptation to be faith and, and learn to be faithful. Well, in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote to the believers, chapter 10, beginning in verse 12, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, 
He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. We need to recognize that temptation is present in the lives of every person. Don't, don't allow yourself to believe that you are, you are the victim of circumstances that are, that are beyond you and you have no hope and you might as well give up. Temptation meets us in the same way that it meets all of mankind. Your situation, while the details might be unique, are the same as the situation that other people face. The temptation is the same. And it can be overcome by recognizing the way God faithfully provides for us. God's desire is that we should endure temptation and not fail. That we would overcome temptation and not fall. And because of that, he will always provide a means of escape. Think back to the story of Joseph, a servant in the household of Potiphar in the Old Testament. A handsome young man, successful in everything he was doing. Potiphar's wife noticed him and invited him into her bed grabbed hold of him. And what did he do? He saw a way to escape and took it. He threw off his cloak that she was holding onto and ran out of the house, leaving her holding not him, but his empty coat. He endured temptation by taking the means of escape. Now, she took that cloak and lied about him, and he was still thrown in prison, but he was innocent. He knew that he had not sinned. God will always provide a means of escape if we choose to take it. Think about David, king of Israel. Idol in the spring. A time when kings go out to war, where he should have been standing in front of his army, leading his men into battle. Where was he? Resting at home in his palace, standing out on the porch at night. And he looked out and saw a woman bathing on her rooftop. Did he have a way out of that situation? <laughs> All he has to do is turn around and close the door and go back inside. What did he do? He stayed and watched and let desire give birth to sin, adultery, murder. There was a way out. He chose not to take it. Our faithfulness is not the product of circumstance. Faithfulness is never the product of circumstance. Situations. If we, if we let circumstance dictate our, our decisions, we will sin over and over and over again. Faithfulness is the product of commitment and responsibility, uh, of choosing every moment of every day to live according to the standard that God places before us. To choose the difficult path of faithfulness. It requires sacrifice. It requires us to leave things behind that we would rather keep hold of. It requires us to, to, to run away from desire. Desire is the, are things that we want, if we're going to be real honest. The things that we know are bad, and we choose to sacrifice them for the sake of faithfulness. It means taking a way out, even though it's a difficult road. Taking a way out when we'll have a difficult explanation with family and friends. Well, why aren't you going to join us when we go out? Well, because I have things that I need to do instead. If you want to have dinner with me, we can go to this place, but not that place. Maybe it means sacrificing some relationships and taking a means of escape and avoiding certain people that represent temptation for you. Maybe it means avoiding certain places that represent temptation for you. Maybe it means letting go of some things that you really enjoy doing, some, some entertainment, some things that you do to relax so that you can follow the path of faithfulness. 
then you have to sacrifice to do that. Yeah, you're going to miss vegging on the couch and flipping through streaming platforms and channels on cable TV. Yeah, you're going to miss being entertained on the internet and following random links until you find disaster. But those sacrifices are necessary if you're going to stand for faithfulness and commitment to honor God with your life and to honor your spouse with your faithfulness. It'll mean sacrifice. It'll mean trusting the faithfulness of God to always provide a way out if you're willing to take it. But finding the, the motivation to run when it's necessary. All our lives, we're taught not to run. We're taught what it means to be a strong man or woman is to stand in the face of adversity, to overcome by our own power. But when it comes to temptation, it's not a one of us strong enough. We're not. But God is. And in his wisdom, he provides a means for us to overcome temptation by learning to run, by learning to flee from that situation, to make sacrifices. The difficulty we have is learning that habit, learning that practice of recognizing What's coming? Not just living in circumstance and the situation and, and idly finding ourselves in a place of temptation, but by opening our eyes, by keeping our guard up and looking down the road to see what's coming and choosing instead the path of faithfulness, choosing a different course of our lives, choosing a different series of decisions to guarantee that our path is as far away from the things that would tempt us as possible. And when we learn to be faithful, Sometimes that motivation comes from fear. Well, there's wisdom in that, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And our faithfulness, when we're learning to live in it, sometimes the product of fear, fear of consequences, fear of what a spouse will do, fear of the, the destruction that will come, the consequences, those feelings of guilt and shame, fear of those things drives us toward faithfulness. And while we would say it's never good to be driven by fear, I would disagree. When you're learning to be faithful, any motivation to do God's will in your life is the right motivation. Is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it fear? Use it to be faithful. But as you learn faithfulness, grow beyond it. Add to that motivation love. A love for God. A love that drives you to want to honor him and please him. Add love. A love for spouse, for a girlfriend or a boyfriend, for the, the family that's present in your life, for people who care about you, that you don't want to disappoint, that you don't want to, to let down, that you know would be devastated to find out. Choose that motivation to take the path of faithfulness and begin to discover the intention that God has for your life, the beauty of the joy, of, the fulfillment of living and faithful commitment to him and to the people that you love. Without fear, without, without worrying about people finding out, without worrying about maintaining a deception and a series of lies. No, all of that's wiped away when you live in faithful commitment. You have confidence. You have trust. Because you're living in the image of the faithfulness of God. And as we grow in this understanding, what... Ultimately, what we come to is this deeper understanding of the nature of God, his un un unending faithfulness toward us. You think about how God describes people in the Bible. In the Old Testament, when he's talking about the people of Israel who, who turn away from him and worship other gods, what's he say? They're unfaithful. 
They're prostituting themselves with other gods. That God looks at our sin as unfaithfulness to him. And what does he do to us in that unfaithfulness? He demonstrates his perfection. Demonstrates his faithfulness time and time again. Forgiving. Accepting. Restoring. And it helps us to be so eternally grateful to God because of the example that he provides to us of faithfulness. 